Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. So tell me about this coronation scene, this temple coronate. What, what was this about you found in Egypt? Well, actually, I I was amazed with all the different festivals and, and coronation scenes that, that uh, we were told. And we visited the different temples and we were told mm-hmm. what was happening there that time. But I was really amazed with uh, the temple of Abu Simbel, which is at the south of Lake Nasser. This temple is very impressive. It was done by Ramses uh, II, and there is a temple next to him uh, done for his wife as well. And in the most holy place, because see, this temple had different areas, and then you had like a holy place and then a little place called the most holy place. And it has four statues inside. It's the only temple in Egypt that still has the statues inside the most holy place. And there are three gods and the fourth one is Ramses II. So there's four statues sitting down. And this temple was engineered around the coronation day of Ramses II. So the whole temple was built for this one day? Yeah, well, yes. Something happened on that day every okay, year. Go for it. And it was this that the sun would enter the temple. And the temple is humongous, it's large, mm-hmm. and it has a small door to come in. And the sun would enter this um, this door, go through the whole temple, and illumine the face of Ramses II on the day of the coronation. Oh, wow. So, now, how did they figure that out? You know, this is one of the things that the Egyptians had, that they, they had this way of figuring out the times and, and you know, astronomy very well. Yeah. And, and they, they had this thing that every year on a particular day, the sun would enter in such an angle that it would illumine the face of the statue of Ramses II in the most holy place. If ever you've thought of ancient cultures as being so primitive, you know, I mean, this, this is one of the, the evidences that that's simply not true. Yes, it's but, not so, true. So, for that coronation day, yes. this temple is created for that purpose in yes. the face of the statue of Ramses. Is, yes, is, the is, coronations were very large in ancient cultures because it was the moment in which the pharaoh, in this case, started ruling. And actually, the tomb of the pharaoh started to be built the first day that he was coronated. Wow. So, when he was now king, then the building of his tomb started. Yeah. You know? well, that's, that's interesting. You know, today we're seeing a scene in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Mark, that the disciples thought was a day of coronation. Yes, they've been waiting for this since Old Testament times, because don't forget that um, God had promised David an everlasting kingdom in 2 Samuel chapter 7. They said, your kingdom will be everlasting. So, the people of Israel had been waiting for For this this coming coming king, king that would be of the Davidic line. And that's what the disciples still had in their mind. And all of a sudden now, Jesus allows himself to be... uh, processioned, I guess we could say, (laughs) in front of these people in such a way that it almost seems to allude to the fact that here comes the king. Definitely does, because Jesus himself seems to be set up to make people believe, because he gets on a cult, exactly how the kings used to do it, and allows people to put uh, palm branches in front of him and to call him things like, this is the day, this Mm -hmm. is happening. 
Let's take a look at this at um, Mark Gospel, the 11th chapter, starting with verse 1. And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. I want to tell you that I understood this verse a little more while I was in Egypt, because in the whole Mediterranean culture and in Africa, in the northern part, there's donkeys everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we were taking a cruise in the Nile, and people use colts and donkeys for everything, to carry mm-hmm. things from here to there, until today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the culture would do with without donkeys. So, yeah. so Jesus is referring here to an animal that was very known to them, but also was known as the one that carried the king uh, when he was uh, coronated. Verse 4, And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus, put their garments on it, and he sat upon it. And many spread their garments in the road, and others spread leafy branches on which they they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed after were crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. You know, have you ever had an expectation for a long, long, long time? And it looks like it's happening. Mm. You know, and, and you just are overflowing with joy. It's like, uh, I don't know if you ever waited for something long time. I know you waited for your children for nine months. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, but, you know, also just waiting for the, the wedding day. I remember with my wife and finally that day arrived and I'm standing there and I see the procession of the bride bridesmaids, you know, Mm. and finally the doors open and here comes that beautiful creature that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with Mm. as she begins to very slowly. It seems like she really walks slowly down that aisle. Was she sitting on a donkey? No, not on a donkey, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here we have this triumphal uh, entry and everybody thinks that this is a fulfillment of all the expectations. And actually, this thing that they are saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Mm. Lord, was a psalm uh, that had been done by David, and it's, it's something that we call messianic psalm, which is in a prophetic way, it seems like God inspired David with some words that eventually had to do with Jesus. And in chapter one or Psalm 118 is one of those Thanksgiving psalms that were messianic, that had a lot to do with Jesus. Let's take a look at the psalm beginning with verse 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech thee. O Lord, we beseech thee, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Here we have the actual quotation, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was coming in the name of the Lord, and they associated this psalm with the next verse that it says, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Now, we referred to this at the beginning of the program, uh, the second Samuel chapter 7, verse 11 on. God promises David an everlasting kingdom, and it's very important uh, that we understand that throughout the New Testament, we are told that Jesus is a descendant of David because of this expectation. He is the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom and the promise of an eternal uh, Davidic kingdom. And now he is drawing attention to that fact here by this uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, not to be a king in the way that they think, but a different kind of king, a king who dies and suffers for us. You know, 
know, this is one of the things that is so different about Christianity than any other religion, yeah. where you have a, a, a dying Messiah, mm-hmm. you have a dying king that is being coronated through the death instead of through life. Through life. And it, this is a very important thing um, because when we uh, study in the New Testament that the kingdom of God has arrived, for example, Jesus says that at the beginning of this uh, gospel, we think kingdom of God uh, so westernly, you know, we think yeah. about it. They thought about it as the Davidic kingdom they've been waiting for for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way they thought about it. And the kingdom of God, though, is a very different thing. It's more of a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom uh, where where our sins are are cared for. And eventually we will see the physical kingdom of God as it comes in the clouds of glory. Let's continue with this story. Uh, Verse 11, And he entered Jerusalem and came into the temple, and after looking around, he departed for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. And on the next day, when they had departed from Bethany, he became hungry. And seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went uh, to see if perhaps he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he answered and said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. And again, this is particularly important because a fig tree was a symbol of Israel. You know, something very special starts happening from the triumphal entry on. This is preparing for his death and for a big change in the whole system, in the whole religious system. Don't forget that the Old Testament is about to meet the New Testament here. Uh, The the veil is going to be torn in two Mm -hmm. when Jesus dies, etc., etc. And now we start getting an enacted parable and a, a cleansing of the temple, and all of this is right before Jesus' death. And the program that we're going to do tomorrow, we are going to talk a little bit more about what this fig tree uh, talks about. What is it really happening? Is mm-hmm. it Jesus' uh, uh, anger management <laughs> that <Yeah>. he needs, <laughs> that he's cursing trees, or is this something really important for the narrative of the Gospel of Mark? That's true. I think the, the key to remember right now is this whole uh, triumphal entry, uh, this whole procession of coronation is Jesus drawing attention to the fact of his kingdom, his coming kingdom, and exactly what it is that ushers in that kingdom. And the thing that ushers in the kingdom of God is the death of Jesus, the suffering Savior, the one who dies for our sins. This is the thing that was predicted throughout all the Old Testament. Every page of the Old Testament was written in anticipation of this event. He is the fulfillment of the promised Davidic kingdom. He is the one who will suffer and die for our sins. And today we want to invite you to make Jesus not only the Savior of your life, not only the one that gives you the assurance of salvation, but also your Lord and King, the one that is your master in every day of your life, in every time that you think about something, that you that you would be a subject to the King that is the King of grace and the King of love. Every area of our life is subjected to the King. Jesus is Lord of all, but He's not Lord over all if He's not Lord over everything in my life. And so I, today, in front of you and our, our listeners, I, again, submit my life to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my King. He is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He is coming soon, and His name, says Revelation, will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jesus 101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus 101 Media. Until next time, live free.